service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I was just at our P.O. box, Ben, and I approached the desk saying, I am Adam Pranica, and I have a very embarrassing (laughs) P.O. box here. (laughs) And uh, the person behind the counter said, I have packages for you. And so, Ben, I have packages for us. What do you say we tear into them? I've always admired your package, Adam. Let's see what's inside. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain size only. Packages of so many shapes and sizes, Ben. A package for... Any comer, I think. (laughs) We're going to start with the littlest package. This one comes from our friend Samantha from Drumheller, Alberta. Cool. Here's what the letter says. Dear Ben and Adam, I thought it was time for you to each have your own ankylosaurs. (laughs) All right, I'm I'm opening what's in this box now. Wow! (laughs) And true... True to Samantha's word, uh, what we have here are two very lifelike-looking ankylosaurs. I just uh, looked up Drumheller on Google Maps, and the photo associated with the town is of, like, a giant stucco Tyrannosaurus Rex on the roadside. Wow. This looks like a, a, a dino-rich part of the world. Letter continues, fun fact, there are two different types of ankylosaurs. Some have tail clubs, while others have shoulder spikes. Not sure if this is part of Star Trek canon. (laughs) Thanks for so many hours of hilarious and insightful pod, you won't believe me, but I feel smarter for having listened. I don't believe you, Samantha. (laughs) You are full of crap. (laughs) Plus, my knuck awareness has increased. See that, I believe. Yeah, We we do tend to point out the knuck. Letter continues, this is my first watch through of DS9, and I might have never watched it without the Greatest Gen as a companion. Wow. Seeing you in Edmonton for Greatest Gen Con was a delight. Hey. From your faithful viewer, Samantha. And uh, it says PS here, shout out to my fellow Greatest Gen pal, Robbie. Cool. So there you have it. Two, uh, two awesome ankylosaurs. Ben, I'm going to Jackie and Lori you pictures of them. Hard to imagine those won't be coming out on tour with us, right? You'll have to tell me which one you are. Are you are you spiky guy or are you hammer tail? Do you do you think that the hammer tail goes in trills with spots and the spiky <laughs> one goes with in trills with loafs? Yeah, that that is exactly what I think. Because <laughs> that first trill you ever meet is a loaf trill. The thing about the spiky back ankylosaur is that uh, the spikes are shaped like a fish hook in that that thing's going into the pouch but it ain't coming out oh wow you know what i'm saying it'll sink the hook yeah damn yeah so that i think that's probably a <laughs> an entrance only into yeah. that pouch the club tail one is definitely more erect looking yeah i agree a lot to like about the spiky guy though yeah 
He's got a lot of a lot of charm. Ben, our second package comes from Ryan from Washington, D.C. Our nation's capital. Oh, there's an envelope in here. <laughs> you know what I love? There's one envelope in here uh, with Ben and Adam written on it. Uh-huh. And then there's a second envelope with a post-it note on it that says, Extra Envelope! <laughs> Is that uh, in case we want to send the letter back? Yeah. All right. I'm opening the card. The card is covered with Star Trek ships. Cool. There's a letter inside. I like Star Trek ships. Letter says, Dear Ben and Adam, I recently fell down a space butthole of collecting Star Trek starship models I found online. Wow. When confronted with the many different types of models there are available, I was amazed at how many terrible model designs there are. <laughs> there are some real doozies out there, so I thought I would send... Two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast, two terrible models. Wow. You would be a bit embarrassed to have on your desk. It's a thank you gift for all the great Trek pod you've shared with the world. So check it out. Ryan has sent us two ships out of the Star Trek official Starships collection. Wow. And he is not wrong. These are some ugly ass ships. (laughs) Uh, One of them is the USS Firebrand. This is a Freedom class ship. Uh, it's just got a single warp nacelle connected to a saucer. Uh, and it looks like one of the dumbest things that Ryan has ever seen. It's only oh, ever yeah. seen on screen very briefly in the graveyard aftermath of Wolf 359. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm the Borgs at Wolf 359, uh, I'm not <laughs> feeling very great about putting this one out of its misery. It seems like it would be really hard to steer the fire the firebrand. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a surfboard without a fin on it. Yeah. The second one is the USS Curry. Uh, not surprisingly, the Curry class starship. It's a hood Excelsior model converted to Del Sol form with USS Reliant nacelles, and it <laughs> looks terrible. And uh, in looking at it, I am inclined to agree, Ryan. This is this is a terrible looking starship. This is a. It looks like a starship that somebody dropped down the stairs and then didn't quite know how to put back together. You know what's great about the model that he sent is that one of the nacelles has fallen off and it's sort of loosely rattling around the box <laughs> that uh, that Ryan sent it to us and I will send you pictures of these also, Ben. The USS Curry really looks like the kind of ship that's designed to make a water landing. <laughs> yeah. It's got like spruce goose vibes to it. It really does. That's a great call. Well, our thanks to Ryan for those really thoughtful and terrifically ugly Starship gifts. Yeah, thank you. They can't all be as iconic as the entrepreneur. That's true. Uh, Third and final package, Ben. It is the biggest. I'm saving the biggest for last, Mm. which is not something I've ever said out loud. Hopefully this is the bucket that I ordered. (laughs) It is from Lieutenant Ney and Old Ike from Oakland, California. Hey, that's my hometown. You know, I asked the mayor of Oakland about you, and uh, and they said they never heard of you before. Well, I kept a pretty low profile when I lived there because I was a child. There is a terrific amount of newsprint in this. Uh, <laughs> it's going to take a moment for me. Is to this dig one through. of those joke gifts where it's a, a huge box and then there's like a engagement ring in the middle? All right, that was like a. Uh, a leg lamp amount of packing material in that giant box. What I found inside is a Star Trek The Next Generation Monopoly game. Collector's wow. Edition. 
Whoa, it's got a it's got a bunch of space bucks in it. Looks like it's got latinum. Strips of latinum. It's got all the game pieces in here. Wow, cool. Who are the what what is it? A thimble, a starship, a old-timey top hat. So I'm looking at uh where Park Place and Boardwalk would be, there is the Borg and Q. Uh, there are four <laughs> shuttlecrafts where the railroads would be. You know, stuff like that. We've got replicators and uh, Temerians and Yeah, lore. but what are the game pieces, Adam? I found I found a game piece. Looks like Data with a tricorder is one of them. Oh. A little pewter Data? All the pieces have been just thrown around. I, I kind of get the sense that this is not new in box. This is like a... No, this is very, very used. <laughs> All right, so I've got the game pieces, and uh, and we've got a little pewter data. Holding a tricorder, we got a, uh, a pewter Geordie holding what looks like a pad. We've got pewter wharf holding a phaser. The gang's all here. We got pewter. That's great. We've got pewter Troy holding her breasts, uh, just because she has her arms crossed. Pewter Wesley, also arms crossed. Pewter Picard, doing the make it so sign. That's fun. Pewter Riker, and pewter Beverly. The gang's all here. Wow. You know what? No one would like to hear us do, Ben. <laughs> Play that game. Uh-huh. <laughs> Letter inside goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam, do you remember the couple from the Priority One in the Greatest Disco episode, season two, episode seven? Vividly. Vividly. (laughs) (laughs) Where one half has stopped listening to the Greatest Gen and is patiently waiting for the way of the warrior for the other to catch up so they can listen together. Oh, man. It is us. (laughs) We found some good Trek stuff at Ike's parents' house recently, and we also found this. So to thank you for bringing us the greatest podcasts, we have decided to send you the worst game. Wow, it's the worst game? We would suggest you use it as a negative space on Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Prophets, but playing Monopoly even for one episode, even with beverages, even with a Trek theme, seems too cruel a punishment for two people we love so much. See, you guys get it, Nay and Ike. Do with it what you must... And then in parentheses, it says, at least check out the bills before you toss it in the matter reclamation unit. <laughs> this game gets a 4.6 out of 10 on, uh, on boardgamegeek.com. We'll see you when you make it back to the Bay Area, and we can't wait to spend Picard and Lower Decks with you as well. You have beer. You have beer and always will be our greatest pod. That's fun. <laughs> From Nay and Ike, another great haul. From the P.O. box today, Ben. Yeah, thank you to everybody who sent stuff in. Grateful for our viewers' generosity and for thinking of us. You know, we have that other board game, the uh, the How to Host a Mystery Dinner Party with Friends board yeah. game set. Got that over here. You know what? There was something else in this package that I didn't open that I realized I need to. It's it's totally bubble wrap, mummified. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, inside some bubble wrap along with the Monopoly game board, I have unwrapped a ceramic handmade, and I need to emphasize this, <laughs> handmade piece of ceramic pottery. Uh, it looks profoundly vaginal. 
I'm gonna send you a picture and then I'm gonna read the letter. Letter goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam. This is Isaac's mom. <laughs> I am in Wisconsin, sending you this gift from Nay and Ike, because that's wow. what mothers do. Ike came home to collect some of his stuff, because his parents are moving abroad and renting their house. This, is, this just happened to me. My parents moved abroad and rented out their house. They should be friends, right? Yeah. Clearing stuff out, I found this old ST wall sconce he made me. He will be very unhappy with his mother <laughs> if or when he finds out I bequeathed it to the two of you. I am deeply grateful for the assistance ST gave us in helping us raise an upstanding citizen of the universe. <laughs> Live long and prosper, Ike's mom. Wow. Okay. Epic, a, epic mom troll. There's a photo in here. P.S. The photo is from around 1997 when Ike was in around fourth grade. He'll kill me if he finds out I sent this along. Ben, I'm looking at this now for the first time. Oh, boy. <laughs> I am now sending you this picture. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a lot to take in there. That's a, uh, that's a wall sconce that you're meant to put a candle in, I take it. You've never seen a candle look like this. <laughs> <laughs> it is I mean it's it has I mean what is generously described as a as a UFP logo on the back. Yeah. And then for some reason a the the stamp for for nuclear stuff. Oh really? You know that logo. Nuclear candle. Yeah. I you know Isaac you may be you may be feeling feelings of embarrassment. You may be feeling feelings of betrayal, but here's the thing. You were raised with a mom that had you in an acceptable haircut, you know? That is true. At me at this age, I had a terrible haircut, and the picture would be much, much, much more embarrassing. So, you know, think, count your blessings, bud. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think you're doing all right over there, Ike. Yeah. And Ike's mom. Wow. Got a got a lovely lady friend. You're doing great. <laughs> I think uh, I think Ike and his mom needs need uh, like I'm I'm getting the sense that they're uh, they're quarreling with each other. Like she did this to embarrass him. I know. I fucking love her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you, friend of Desoto, Ike's mom. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone who sent something in today. That was really cool to see what you had in store for us. You know what else is cool? A nice breeze off of the lake on planet Ryza. One of the best places. It's a very chill hang. Wanna go, you want to go there? Do you want to go to there with me? Who could possibly hate Ryza? Maybe only he who is without sin, Ben. <laughs> Let's talk about Deep Space Nine Season 5, Episode 7. Let he who is without sin. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Start with a uh, morn delivering a flower to a lady. Very strange shot. He's seducing a woman who also has liver spots. <laughs> she's a she's an older Starfleet. Yeah. It seems like. She doesn't know him or know what is going on until the flower is in her hand. Like the way, like I, I was watching her face for like 
signs of recognition or or knowing what was going on and she just looks profoundly confused until she's got the flower and then she's in love with him <laughs> it looks like a moment that's been very directed the kind that you would get in a commercial from a uh, chamber of commerce right for for a vacation town you know yeah, like, visit deep space nine these things don't happen in real life no come to deep space nine and be seduced by morn it's like those uh those like super ironic come visit cleveland youtube videos <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about Cleveland. I like Cleveland. I'm just, I'm referencing specific videos that are making fun of it. If Morn was in Cleveland, we'd be touring there every year. (laughs) So then we get Cisco and Odo uh, catching a morning hang. What do you think of the O'Brien's plan to name their baby Sean? And Dax comes and joins them. And she is in the parlance of our times, toe up. But girl, is that what it means to have sex injuries? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that. Yeah, she's uh, she's got sex injuries. Mention is made that Worf is spending a lot of time in the infirmary as well. They are in the uh, the violent honeymoon period of their relationship. <laughs> yeah, when uh, when you have new love, Ben, often uh, you'll go past the point that's safe, and right. and you will have to. And you will be sex injured. Ben, have you had a sex injury? I uh, don't believe I've ever had a sex injury. Not a not a neck-based one, certainly. Ben, I, got, I once got a hand job so, uh, so <laughs> lacking lubrication that I got a blister on the shaft of my dick. Whoa. Which, believe me, the shaft can blister, and it did. It put me out of commission for quite a while. Wow. If it were possible to friction blister my dick, I thought I would have known about it by then. <laughs> but this is a totally new thing to happen to me, and it was you with a partner. You thought you would have discovered that in private. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was blown away when this happened. Wow. Don't be afraid to get a little spit involved. Or, or anything, really. <laughs> anything would have helped. <laughs> I should have spoken up. Yeah. That, so that's partly my my mistake too. Worf and uh, and Dax have a uh, have a vacation planned. I think Cisco had been told that they were going to Earth, but uh, in fact they're going to be going to Ryza. Yeah, Earth is boring. All they got is Creole food. You you can't have tons of anonymous sex on Earth. It's not that kind of paradise. No. I mean, it is paradise though, right? Right. Worf is not enjoying his shit being put out in the, into the streets by Dax. Yeah. And Dax is making the case that your friends aren't the streets. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that um, it's kind of a surprising... It's a surprising place for Worf to be coming from, being that he previously was stationed on a ship with 1,000 people and is now on a station with, like, four times that many people. Right. This is a very cosmopolitan place by comparison and and is going to have, you know, like we've talked about Deep Space Nine being a small town, but it's way less small of a town than the entrepreneur. Worf seems like he's feeling like after after leaving his friends on the entrepreneur that he doesn't want any more friends. Yeah. And he is neglectful of the ones that he has here. Worf is in a really bad way and uh, emotionally, and I think this is an episode that is largely about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, you're saying that from a position of great empathy. Uh, empathy was a hard feeling for me to muster throughout this app for a wharf. Yeah, I mean, being in a bad way emotionally is not a good excuse to act like shit to your friends. Yeah. That's fair. So, Worf is also upset because Worf saw Dax having lunch with an ex. I do not trust Captain Baudet. And Worf is thinking that this ex might still have a candle lit for her in some way. Their mere sharing of a meal uh, seems to cross some kind of line for him. Yeah, and this is another mention of that uh, of that transparent skull guy. Yeah. We've heard about him. We've heard, but we have not seen, and I can't wait to see that guy's brains. They gotta show him. Yeah. Gotta take a look at those brains. Yeah. Well, I can see it's going to be quite a trip. This is a conversation that feels like it's uh, full of, of a bunch of triage because like things, fires are starting up and then they're getting put out and then uh, another fire gets lit before the end of the scene is, and that is Bashir and Lita want to hitch a ride to Risa with them. Yeah, we're coming on your romantic getaway is not not the friendliest thing to spring on on a couple of ostensibly close friends. But they're aware of the size of the runabout and yeah. its ample rear section. <laughs> and uh, they also make promises about uh not spending a lot of time with them. They're just they're just right. in it for the ride. We just happen to get the same flight. We're not going to be in your hotel room the entire time. Exactly. That's exactly. the promise. So they calibrate their expectations for that, but on their way to the ship, uh, they bump into, at the airlock, a quark who has his bags packed as well and will be joining them for the journey. That is a, that's a terrible kind of boss, right? The, uh, the boss that lets you go on vacation but then comes with? Yeah, that's not good. That would be horrifying. <laughs> Especially when you're going to a sex planet. Yeah. You yeah. can't really be yourself on a sex planet if your boss is there, too. Yeah. I've always said that. So they have got a pretty full runabout, Ben. Yeah. and This uh, is the rare runabout trip to Risa that does not encounter any Romulans or Borgs or anything. No. No, and it's exciting. Like, I see, like, look, we know Worf and to a certain extent Dax are not happy to have uh, interlopers with them on this trip. But, like, vacationing with friends is fun. Yeah. And seeing them all together, it's sort of in that pre-funk portion of a vacation uh, is neat. And and the spirits, at least accepting, accepting for Worf, uh, seem to be pretty high. Yeah, Dex is taking this with a ton of grace that Worf is not. And no. Worf is pissed even to be getting handed a beverage by Lita. Coming about, setting course for Deep Space Nine. The, the presence of Quark is never going to make Worf happy. Quark uh, talks about his cabin on the runabout. Yeah. You call that a cabin? It's a cot and a waste disposal unit. That's not a thing. Maybe they have different different donkeys. Like some runabouts yeah. have a big wide open space back there. Others have a donkey full of cabins. I wish we got to see in the back of that runabout. Just want to see in the back. If you got a big let me search it. Just... Grab either side of the runabout and pull it open. Let me see the inside of it. <laughs> yeah, spread that shit. <laughs> this, uh, I mean, Quark is uh, distributing horgons. Lita's giving out drinks. Everyone's stoked. They explain the the horgon mechanic here uh -huh. in a in a way just to kind of like catch you up if you didn't 
watch every episode of TNG. Useful. Yeah. It's kind of like Commander Riker explaining time travel. It's a sign of things to come, though, because Worf can't loosen up here, and his two sticks in the mud will remain for the <laughs> rest of the He is not given a Horgon. No, he's not. You think that's what set him off? Quark didn't even give him a Horgon. He was already set off. Yeah. You never want to be with or be the person where other people in the group are asking, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. been that guy before. Yeah. It's not good. I was that guy on the big uh, group trip to, to Mexico for your birthday. Yeah. But that was because I was like legitimately sick. Right. You were... You were uh, I wasn't you were, bumming everybody out. You were diarrhea in the mud. You weren't, uh, <laughs> you weren't stick in the mud. Yeah. Making my own mud. <laughs> <laughs> Making mud pies. <laughs> Gold so on the surface they meet Arandis, who is played by Vanessa Williams. This is a Vanessa Williams that predates the L that she would put into her name later on in her career. Miss America Vanessa Williams. Yeah. Would you I I would never have guessed that Rene Aubergenois had directed Vanessa Williams. <laughs> what a thrill. <laughs> What I read was that she was so game to be in DS9 that uh, like her first day on set was her first shooting day. Like she took the red eye out, they costumed her up, and sh- and she was on set like immediately, like ready wow. to go. Like real professional, awesome person, Vanessa Williams. She breaks some pretty amazing news <laughs> in this scene, which is that Curzon Dax died from Jamaharon. It's the way that Kirk always wanted to go out. But, yeah. but couldn't. Kurt slipped down a, a rock face and got crushed under a bridge. I know. I mean, He said ima- it was fun. Imagine what he would have said if he died from Jamaharon. You know, Kirk wanted to die from being crushed under some wharf. <laughs> Drowned in wharf. Yeah. That's his kink, right? After yep. what they did to his boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is... Uh, this. This character is the one who done it. She was Jamaharoning Curzon when he when he passed. Apparently, we had a wonderful time together. Worf is doing that thing that you know when you date a person seriously, the expectation that they were brand new for you uh, is something that you really need to leave behind. Like people uh, have histories and pasts, and yeah. other people that they've been with. And this idea that Worf is hurt by Dax having a sex life with someone else, even if that sex life is with someone that they're sharing a time and place with, is not really cool, Worf. Yeah, the He should is... be upset that he should be upset that Arandis killed her. <laughs> <laughs> or him back when it was uh yeah. when it was Curzon, you know what I mean? Like he C- should be upset that, at, at the... murder. Like it really gives you a sense of how how DTF Dax is that yeah. no grudge is held there. <laughs> Murdered by that puss, the Curzon Dax story. <laughs> yeah, there is a a definite pattern of controlling behavior emerging with yeah. Worf. He doesn't like that Dax was hanging out with the Galamite. Now he doesn't like that she's friendly with this lover of a previous incarnation. Right. Uh, he is. He is really salty about it in a way that is super uncool. That is a mistake. This 
conflict is going to continue throughout the episode. This tension between free spirit Dax and controlling Worf kind of makes you wonder, like, besides all of their sex injuries, what they could possibly have in each other. Yeah, I I think that the case has not really been made that well why Dax likes Worf. It's a little weak at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, it's very easy to see what he likes about her. She's a, she's fun. She's got that sarong that she takes off at opportune moments. Uh, often you'll see this in couples where like one is the looser upper of the other. And that's what Dax is in this relationship. She she makes him better. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's true in my relationship. My yeah. wife is definitely much more fun and good than me. Same. Does a Klingon swimsuit have two mesh nets? <laughs> because we get to see the Klingon swimsuit that Worf pulls out of his luggage. Also, we never see his luggage. Yeah. Which yeah. I also wanted to see. He never um, he never puts the swimsuit on. Yeah. And I think that that would have really elucidated a lot. We could have, we could have <laughs> seen the, the dual package situation. Those double pipes. That would have been fun. You know, uh, a Klingon swimsuit is known as like carpenter jeans, right? Because <laughs> you got to carry around those hammers. <laughs> oh, yeah. So instead of a mesh uh, a mesh inner, it's got just two hammer loops right. in there. Yeah. While Worf is examining his swimsuit, he gets paid a visit by Pascal Fullerton, who is like the platonic ideal of an old-time TV actor, I feel like. He's, uh, I thought he was Lee Majors at first. He's really yeah. got that Lee Majors look. He's He's got Major That Guy vibes, and he's been in a ton of shit. He's like one of those actors that has a career that spans like the 70s and into the teens. Oh, you know what? He was on The Six Million Dollar Man as the recurring role of The Seven Million Dollar Man. Ugh. Steve Austin's one more-, more powerful and amorally renegade successor. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. We spent one million more dollars to make him worse. <laughs> I would consider myself the more amoral, the more amorally renegade host of Greatest Gen. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Wow. That's fucked up, dude. I know. Watch out. Uh, this guy is the leader of the New Essentialist Movement. I'm not familiar with that organization. Which are the conservative scolds of the Federation. And uh, he gives Worf like a trifold pamphlet of some of the tenets of their belief system. And uh, they really play right into his control freak tendencies. They really do. This Fullerton is going to be a problem. His evangelism is coming at the perfect time for Worf, who appears to be flailing for any reason to not participate in this trip in any way. And, yeah. and with Fullerton, he has sort of a foothold. You're going to buy a timeshare? In Mexico? We don't have to buy. We can stay for free. And all we have to do is listen to a 20-minute information session. Dax and Worf are shown walking around in, you know, these shimmering spa rooms where everybody's in swimsuits and giving each other massages. And Worf is just like head in the book reading about Fullerton's stupid ideas. Kind of a buzzkill. To be quite honest about it, I was in a Mr. Bucket, I have to revert to my state. Oh, no, no. I don't use the bucket anymore. 
they walk in on Lita, who is getting a like an air massage. And uh, this is clearly like a, a sexier massage than a no contact massage would imply. Sure. Yeah. This uh, there's a Rizian beefcake there. Yeah. Giving it to her. He's in one of those shirts that is totally see through. Yeah. So you can see you can see all the all the nice hunky muscle under it. Care to join us? Worf is not feeling good about what he's walked into, and uh, Dax Dax is great. She's like, it's none of their business what they're yeah. doing. Like Worf walks into a room where Lita's got her her robe nearly falling off of her breasts, and instead of staring at that, he's staring at the dude because he's mad at the dude for being there with Lita and not being being Doctor Bashir. Worf is a fucking hypocrite. I'm gonna say it now, and I'm gonna say it throughout the episode. Like he wow. wants he wants his his beliefs respected, and he wants his business kept out of, but he can't help but stick his nose into everyone else's. Give me a break, Worf. Give me a fucking break. He's responding to Fullerton's screed about this need to return to Federation morals. But what does Worf care about Federation morals? Like, he comes from a violent society that subjugates women, and he gets into fights to the death all the time that are, like, under the cover of his own cultural foundation. He's a total hypocrite about this, and he's the only reason he's entertaining the idea of Fullerton's proselytizing is because he doesn't want to participate in the vacation. Perhaps you underestimate the power of Fullerton's message. Speaking of that proselytizing, Worf actually goes to this guy's rally where he and all of his dour acolytes come out in like, you know, they're all in like robes and you know all the all the colors are muted a lot of grays and blacks and browns they're leaving everything to the imagination i would not call it a show and they they speak to the assembled group of bikini clad onlookers yeah and, um, he's there to sell them a timeshare opportunity if they just have 3 or 4 hours an attractive man like yourself Goodbye! and what he's saying is like you're you're acting like Babies. If you're like me, your wife would tan your hide if you thought for yourself. You uh, you have every need serviced. You never take issues of security uh, seriously. I'm barely even a man. My wife chases me around with a rolling pin. And, uh, you know, this is really throwing meat to, to Worf, who is always writing for people aren't taking security seriously enough. But, yeah, like, he's saying that, like, unless the Federation changes its ways... Uh, it's going to be crushed by one of these marauding alien societies and cites the Borgs, the Klingons, and the Jem'Hadar as as examples of potential threats that uh, the Federation is not prepared to handle. We don't know anything about Fullerton's past, right? Like, all we have is is him fully formed, this middle-aged man giving this condescending speech And it's like the modern baby boomer argument. Like he made it to middle age getting his and he's shutting the door behind him now that he's getting old. But it would be so much more interesting if he was, I don't know, the veteran of some Starfleet war or he had seen some shit somewhere that made him think this way. Like it it wouldn't make his argument correct, but it would give him understand where he was coming from yeah he is acting without any motivation at all besides his message and i think that hurts the episode yeah i agree i think that um there are a lot of 
conservative stripes of thought like uh you know like when you when you like look at the anti-abortion movement you realize that it's much more about controlling women's bodies and when women have sex and for what reason than it is about right like actually reducing the number of abortions like they don't really care that much about that it's they're they're much more just control freaks and i think that that's kind of the case that's being made here right and my by Maybe by intentionally not giving him that backstory, that's what they're trying to do to this character. Maybe. I just don't think that it, I don't think he's brought to heel enough to like, to really illuminate that. Yeah. Yeah. So later on, Bashir and Worf and Dax are, are kind of debating the speech's quote unquote merits. Yeah. And this is like exactly what Worf was afraid of, right? Yeah. <laughs> like now now on this two on this couples vacation where you said you weren't gonna bother us, we're having group dinners. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's a buffet, so like what are you gonna do? <laughs> they only occur during a certain number of hours. And as soon as Lita arrives, Worf just gets immediately pissed. Yeah. He uh he's he's seen Julian with another lady, he's seen Lita with another gentleman. He's pissed, and uh, he like starts throwing his napkin around. Something wrong. And uh, <laughs> I like when Bashir asks Dax, like, "What's what's going on?" And she like she just gives him a little look, like, "It's nothing, it's nothing." <laughs> but uh, but then Worf boils over. You two dishonor each other with your actions. They explain, "Oh yeah, we're actually here breaking up. We're it's like a it's like instead of a sad funeral, it's a celebration of life, but for <laughs> our relationship." <laughs> What a great way to put it. It's awesome. The right of yeah. separation. It's like it turns a couple into co-wingmen, I think. Yeah. Like, because they're on the prowl for each other while they're on Risa. They've both knocked boots with some other people, and then, like, they leave this dinner to go knock boots with each other. Like, hey, yeah, let's, uh, let's maybe have a little uh, parting roll in the hay. Seems pretty healthy to me. I'm into it. But just then, a fight breaks out across the dining room. They hear the, the, the customary breaking of glasses and plates, the sound right. of a table being flipped over. And they're like, is Ben Harrison a busboy in this restaurant? <laughs> that sounded like a, a bong breaking near a jacuzzi. <laughs> I broke a lot of glassware when I was a busboy. It's a fundamentalist attack, Ben because that's what fundamentalists do when they can't suppress a thing they don't agree with. Yep. Fullerton has escalated from guy who makes stump speeches to guy who carries out attacks. And uh, he and his his homies have rifles, which they're not using. But um, uh, once, once everything kind of settles down, uh, Worf and Dax realize that these rifles are, in fact, not armed. Ricean security doesn't kill them because they're white. <laughs> well, there's that bullion with them. Yeah, that's true. The bullion I... gets killed. <laughs> uh, this whole if I can't have a good time, no one else can either mentality is really irritating. And I think it's the thing that makes Fullerton one of my least liked characters in all of Star Trek. He is just stridently like that. I don't think you're supposed like to that. like him. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, mean I, I, dis, I hate him more than I hate hateable people in star trek he is like right up there wow he's just the worst yeah he's a dirtbag and they're like 
the you know Dax says like oh yeah like we could arrest you as Starfleet officers right now. Part of it is the smirking, right? Because yeah. he does this shitty thing, and then Dax says we could arrest you, and he smirks right at her face. Like, what are you gonna do? Ricey insecurity is shit. They're busy yeah. fucking. They're not gonna. They're not gonna prosecute. They'll yeah. just release me after twenty four hours. Yeah. Maybe just arrest him anyways then. Yeah. Fullerton clearly needs a good fuck because he is just a little bit of a busybody. I know how you all feel when that furry temptress seems like she's calling your name. Yeah, this is a guy that is putting out his horgan and uh, nobody is offering him Jamaharon. It feels like he has a very similar worldview to the one that Admiral Layton had in Paradise Lost. And if you were to swap Risa for Earth and Layton for Fullerton, I think, I think there are a lot of similarities here. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a stripe of thinking. Yeah. I just don't happen to agree with it. No. That night, Worf and Dax finally have that conversation that they've been foreshadowing the entire episode, and it yeah, ends up Worf being... Yeah, Worf has said the phrase, we have much to speak about, more times than he said anything else in this episode. That's Klingon for we need to talk. About us. And that yeah. is usually followed by a tough conversation. Yeah. It's a conversation here where they realize that neither of them is going to change. It's easy to understand where... Dax is coming from because she's a little bit like more adjusted to the kind of society that we're used to. But it does kind of make make you realize that Worf feels really on the ropes here because he comes out of this tradition where you mate once and forever. Right. Like once somebody is your parmakai, that's it. And the idea that they're not married and they're not acting married and they're not doing anything to kind of like make this as serious as it feels for him is really hard for him to cope with. Yeah. Yeah, and so they both kind of go to bed angry, and you can't do that, Ben. You just can't. No. It's not allowed. You're, you're not allowed to leave your wedding reception before you agree to those terms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in the morning, Dax wakes up and finds Arandus cleaning up the mess that the fundamentalists made. I guess they just left it during the night. Like, I'm a person, like, I want to clean up all the dishes before going to bed. Yeah. But they just left it out. This was a, uh, uh, go home tonight, guys. We'll, we'll fix this in the morning. Yeah. But Arandis and Dax are close, and she can tell something's up with her and Worf. It yeah. doesn't take much to see that. I've had better vacations. Better than Ryza? Yeah, Arandis uh, is going to help Dax feel much better by uh, taking her to a pottery class where she teaches her how to make a clay morn hammer. <laughs> Now, leave room for the batteries, Dax. <laughs> I thought this thing looked like a, like a mop dog. Like, do, oh, they, do they have Commodores on, on Risa? <laughs> kind of looked that way to me. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I jumped ahead because we do get to see the breaking up ceremony that uh, Lita and Bashir have. Bajorans break up sort of the same way that Jews get married. Yeah. Breaking something. Yeah. The time for sharing is over. That's fun. Yeah, yeah they, they both drink out of the same bowl and then they chuck the bowl on the ground. That's it. 
It's over. Yeah. And Quark is shocked, like we all are, about how easy it is to break up with someone. He's expecting a lot more drama. No recriminations, no hurt feelings. And a dab of drama does come, which is that, like, right on the heels of breaking up with Bashir, Lita's like, oh, yeah, it's like uh, mainly my reason for breaking up is that uh, I've had my eye on another fella for a few months now. And, uh, Drops the bomb that uh, Bashir got dumped for Rom. He's so cute and very sexy. Their reactions to this are really fun to me because Quark is disgusted because it's his brother. Right. And Bashir is low-key disgusted because of how it reflects on him. Right. I'm less attractive than Rom is the, is the conclusion that you get to. And there's, it's definitely injected with that whole, like, if she left me for him, yeah. How, what does that mean about me? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a vanity thing, which is a great Bashir quality, right? Like, what do you know about Bashir? Vain. Vain. And urine, but like, mostly vain. <laughs> so, upon catching Dax making a, a model of Morn's dong with her friend... Worf storms off and basically joins the radical political group. Why does Risa rent these guys a room? <laughs> these guys are rabble-rousing, and they shouldn't be allowed to be there, I think. Well, it's a free country. I guess. I mean, do we know that about Risa? I guess we can assume it based on what we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean... I. This is one of those things where there's a little bit of hand-waving, but Raisa yeah. is part of the Federation. Yeah. I, is it like the EU where it's like a bunch of sovereign planets that are all under, you know, some of the same laws, but some different ones? Yeah, it seems that way. I don't know. So Worf finds his way to the conference room that the fundamentalists are having their meeting in, like Neptune 2. <laughs> And offers his services. Yeah. He's like, how can I help? I have a way to really shut the fun down on this planet. I'm having no fun. And so on a planetary scale, I think that we should uh, make everybody else feel the same way I do. I, at this point, was really feeling like Worf would lose me forever. Extremely down on Worf at this moment in time. Yeah. A lot of discussion of, like, fun outings that might happen on Ryza that have gotten cut short because of shit to do with Worf. The first time they were talking about going and checking out a waterfall or something and he wanted to go to the political rally. And this time, Worf is gone and uh, Quark, Bashir, and Dax are talking to Arandis about maybe getting out there and doing something when lightning strikes and, uh, and the clouds open up. And, you know, Ryza, which has been described as... Uh, naturally being kind of a swamp planet with a lot of geological activity reverts to its rainforesty swampy ways yeah that didn't take long Worf has the the universal remote that turns the weather on <laughs> you know uh man's supposition is that any remote control you find in a in a hotel or a resort has been up up someone's butt so <laughs> don't smell the weather controller wharf i'm sorry whose supposition yeah, i don't know i don't remember so the the, the deal is it's going to be rainy for the next three or four days and uh and this is great because fullerton thinks like oh we'll we'll force everybody to get back to 
you know, back to essentials. Like they, they can hack it on Ryza while it's while it's rainy and and unpleasant out. Then they'll then they'll see like what it it takes to be a capable citizen in a dangerous galaxy. Because Ryza is an illusion. Worf really crosses the vacation Rubicon here because while Fullerton takes responsibility for the plan, Worf admits being the one that actually turned off the weather system. Yeah. If you're vacationing with Worf and he's admitted this, like he's dead to you. He's ruined your vacation and he's intentionally done it. Right. Like the this is a, a future in which resources are unlimited. So the only thing that is limited is time. And vacation he's just time. wasted a bunch of your fucking vacation time. Yeah. And like, it's hard to see this as not being anything other than a crime. Yeah. That he's committed on a planetary scale. And it's never discussed that like Worf would ever be in trouble for what he's done. Which he should be. He should be in really big trouble. Yep. He should be in Rycian prison, which can't be that bad, right? Yeah. You got to make a toilet, Horgon. <laughs> out of your feces. <laughs> and uh, it sends a message, all right. <laughs> He's available for something. Morn, morn, morn. sweet, morn, morn, morn. You need everybody? Morn, stop. Have a time. So, yeah, like everybody's bummed out. Just a check in on, on runtime here. There's about 10 minutes left in the episode when this happens. Right. And two minutes of that is taken up with a little scene of, like, Dax playing 3D Moncala with herself while Court complains that it's rainier than Ferenginar. And then the rest of, of that ten minutes is a big fight between Dax and Worf where they get to the bottom of things. What is What is eating him to the extent that he committed a crime on a planetary scale he's committing crimes on a relationship scale too ben yeah these should be relationship extinction level events <laughs> but the you know dax starts starts talking to him and she's like you know like curzon knows a lot more about Kling- klingons than you do curzon spent more time with them yeah and one thing the about them problem is that like while they have a lot of honor and warrior shit going on like you they are also bon vivants. They live life to the fullest. They have zest and passion. And you ain't got shit. Yeah, so where is the other half? This missing half? And Worf sits her down and tells her the story of his upbringing. And <laughs> he tells her the most bug nut story of a soccer game he played when he was a kid. <laughs> where he was going in for a header. And at the same time... He simultaneously headed in the winning goal for his team and and broke the neck of a of one of the other players. He died the next day. And from that point forward, he became a stoic. He suppressed all of the bon vivant aspects of being a Klingon so that he could keep the people around him safe. His idea was that if he lived like to the full extent of the physicality that he has that he would just mangle all the humans around him. I mean, the logic is flawed utterly because, like, by withholding the Klingon fun part of himself, he's just leaning more into the fundamentalist Klingon part of himself, which, which is no less dangerous. Yeah. Like, he's getting into Batleth fights all the time. It's bad logic, but it's kid logic, I think. Yeah. Critically. Right. And he doesn't seem 
that remorseful that he let this all get so out of hand? No, he does that thing where uh, he allows his story to explain his actions without apology. Yeah, like in, instead of an apology, like the earth starts to shake and they they have to go like grab the the weather control tricorder from Fullerton because they think he's gone too far. But it's like, Worf, like you put that power in his hand. <laughs> like 100% of this is happening because of you. Right. And so to Fullerton's give- like a powerless asshole until you until you gave him that gadget. To give Worf the hero turn of of picking him up by the neck and throwing him into a banquet table. Yeah. Doesn't really forgive anything that led them up to that point. And this is like a, you know, like a 45 minute episode. <laughs> they walk into the Neptune 2 conference room, <laughs> grab the gadget away from Fullerton, and it's like day saved. <laughs> it's all it's all over. Nothing yeah. to see here. I am on vacation. I feel like they were just looking at the stunt as as the uh, catharsis. Right. Yeah, just tossing this guy across the room is uh, as far as as we need to go in in explaining what happens at the end of this. But you know how it is when you're on vacation, at least at least when I'm on vacation, I am a little bit counting the days in a way that I try not to, but when the button on the episode happens and everyone's walking on the beach on what is supposedly the last day, there is no mention of their entire vacation being ruined by Worf. They're just kicking sand and and enjoying each other's company. But I've got to believe that there would be real hard feelings here with the scarcity of vacation time resources and with how much of a dick Worf was. And with, I mean, Arandis is there, a yeah. bunch of her... A bunch of her compound has been ruined by earthquakes and rain. Right. Because of Worf. Right. Dax is still in Worf's arms. It's hard to judge Star Trek episodes harshly for their lack of consequences. To a certain extent, you forgive them when there are not long story arcs. But we are watching a show right now that is embracing the arcs that it's able to give us. And... Punishments on occasion are lasting on this show, but that they totally excuse and ignore what Worf has done here is insane to me. Well, I think uh, I think that's a good opportunity for me to ask you, did you like this episode? I think episodes that make me feel strongly tend to be good. Like, that's that's a good thing, right? That I'm so upset at Worf, that I'm so incredulous with why Dax would stay with him. Mm-hmm. But there are so many holes in this story, and it's so it's so toothless for so long that to give us a bad guy who is proselytizing his morality and then giving us like his whole deal is is sort of like punishing the society that he doesn't agree with right and then to not punish the true bad guy of the episode in Wharf is just confusing and wrong. It, and it, there's so much of an equivalency between uh, Fullerton and Worf, and because nothing ever happens to either of them by the end, it, it really leaves me with a feeling of what was it all for. You could see what they were trying to do in setting up this morality play, but it didn't... There was no... There was no lesson from it. Yeah. I think that 
the other problem is that it never repudiates what Fullerton was saying. Yeah. Like, and I think that there is a valid repudiation, but the fact that Fullerton gets all of the airtime to say why what he thinks is right is right. Like, it doesn't have the power of, like, a Cal Hudson where you have right. a, a genuine difference of opinion that you can see the the valid the validity of both sides. Yeah, I like, agree. Like, you, you wind up hating Cal Hudson because of his methods, but you could, con- you could see where he's coming from. Yeah, and you just don't get that with Fullerton. That's a great point. I think another thing that really cripples the episode is just the constraints you have in showing... Uh, sexuality on television at this moment in time and on syndicated television because by making Risa tame it makes Fullerton's protestations feel absurd and right. and also Worf's, Worf's agreeing with that absurd right it's like telling people that they're ungodly for going to Disneyland or something yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and that that hurts like whoa we're right. just like Dole Whip leave us alone yeah just give me that Dole Whip. It's good. I've never had it. Oh, it's really good, Ben. It is as good as they say. Yeah, but I don't want to go to a children's theme park to get it. I don't think you have to. I think there are places in L.A. that sell it. Oh, let's go find it next time you're down here. All right. That's a deal. Hey, let's go find some Priority One messages. That's a deal. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One messages of a commercial nature. Message goes like this. Do you remember Mystery Science Theater 3000? Well, the soulmates do join two couples as they explore Mystery Science Theater 3000. Cool. Craft some custom cocktails debate the best episode riffs and discuss love and their love for mystery science theater 3000 soulmates podcast is available on itunes iHeartRadio, spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts or come join them on their website that website is www.arcanejugs.com <laughs> arcane is spelled like arcane but jugs is spelled j-u-g-g-z-z.com all right. And uh, they've got a subreddit, too. That's r slash Arcane Jugs. <laughs> two Gs, two Zs on Arcane Jugs. Arcane Jugs, check it out. You know, with a name like Arcane Jugs, I expected this to be some sort of weird uh, steampunk sex site or something, yeah. you know? Like you put some brass goggles <laughs> on, a, on a couple of brass breasts. Uh-huh. That's Arcane Jugs, right? Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to give Arcane Jugs that t-shirt idea. There you go. There you go. Enjoy it, Arcane Jugs. <laughs> Adam, we have a second Priority One message here, and this one is of a personal nature. It is to Ben and Adam, and it's from She Who Does Burlesque. Wow. She Who uh, Does Burlesque has been the subject of some like romantic uh, P1 back and forth, right? She Am I remembering does... that correctly? Like there was like a yeah. date and then there wasn't a second date. Maybe uh, she who does burlesque can get some uh, brass tassels from arcanejugs.com. <laughs> there you go. Now you're thinking. The message Synergy, goes. Synergy, baby. The message goes like this. My good gentlemen, Ben and Adam, I am officially requesting the return 
of angry French guy to regular impression status. I wasn't finished laughing at it. Good day to you. All right. Okay. You know, I think She Who Does Burlesque makes a good point. There was, uh, in this very episode, an opportunity to say, Wolf is a war criminal! <laughs> he shut down the weather system for the entire planet! And he never faced punishment. <laughs> Why is there no due process on Risa? <laughs> For what reason he get to return to his job like he an okay person? <laughs> He's a piece of shit. I'm sure my neighbor is just like, God, I hate living next to this idiot. <laughs> yeah, like... Your neighbor, uh, creator of a great earthquake podcast, hoping for the earthquake to come. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we constantly hope for more Priority One messages to come. If you would like to be on the giving end of them, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, both of which are a great way to help with the ongoing production of The Greatest Generation. They sure are. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, you know, uh, he isn't in this episode a bunch, and there's a reason for that, but I'm going to give my Shimoda to Dr. Bashir. Mm. He is a fish out of his cultural water. Yeah. He is both in a mixed culture relationship, but he's also on a planet on vacation that has its own systems in place. Mm-hmm. He's just a human guy trying to figure it out. And he throughout is pretty cool and open and down with whatever. You might even say uh, he's a little bit aloof. Yeah, he and doesn't have like a major freak out when he finds out about the ROM thing. Like he, he's a little upset about it, but he doesn't like, he doesn't get like controlling and shitty. There is an interesting reason for his performance though. And that is, uh, I read that the night before his breakup scene with Lita, uh, Nana Visitor gave birth to their child that night. And so he pulled an all-nighter with Nana Visitor during childbirth, uh, drove right to Malibu to to film his scene. And he said uh, he actually felt very bad about his performance in this episode uh, because he said he just like wasn't even there for the breakup scene mentally. He was just totally checked out because he was yeah. fucked up and sleep deprived. But I think there was a serenity there about him in his detachment that I think really worked for his performance in the ep. So uh, for all those reasons, I'm going to give Bashir my drunk Shimoda. What about you? I'm going to give it to that, uh, to that enlisted lady that Morn gives the flower to. <laughs> uh-huh. She doesn't even have a rank, Pip. So, uh, so she's presumably just a crewman of some kind. Uh, but There's no way that's oldest living ensign. No, no, Is she's it? she's not even an ensign. Yeah, but uh, maybe oldest living ensign got demoted. She got busted <laughs> down <laughs> to crewman <laughs> to crewman, and now she's on DS nine. Wow. Well, the reason she gets my drunk Shimoda is she gets this flower from Morn, and then uh, they they kiss and walk off together, and then you know Dax comes in and, and uh, there's some. 
some back and forth. But you see her walk by alone on the promenade like moments later <laughs> by herself. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just like... I loved the story that that told, like whatever Bourne tried, like, I don't know if he was apologizing or proposing a date or what, but uh, it did not go far. <laughs> Renee Abergenois cut out the scene where she's talking to a friend and she's like, he took it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. So, uh, she's my drunk Shimoda. Good job by her. Like, uh, Good background acting. Yeah. Center frame. That's what you want if you're a background actor. Yeah, she gets a lot of face action. As you want to be the actor. one in the sequence. Yeah. Good job. Well, uh, we need to figure out what episode we're watching next in the sequence, Ben, don't we? I guess we do, yeah. Uh, next episode is season five, episode eight. Things passed. Cisco, Odo, Dax, and Garrick are mysteriously placed into the roles of a group of condemned Bajorans executed seven years, dot, dot, dot. Uh-oh. We're getting a lot of dot, dot, dots. A go. Oh. I, I clicked on it and it gave me the last word there. Okay. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought they were, the show was just really leaning into the ellipses <laughs> for all things. Now, but uh, what it is leaning into, Adam, is the game of buttholes. The Will of the Prophets over at gach.biz slash game. Do you want to uh, tell us how we're going to be doing the next episode? We have really been getting our squares handed to us in this game, Ben. Uh, over and over we've slid down. Uh, we are now on square 19. 19 is the square, and uh, I've got a die in my hand. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Looks like a couple squares ahead we've got a space butthole. Squares past that, a banger. So, here we go. We hit that banger, and that's why we're on 19, right? Yep. I have rolled a six. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. We have hopped over that banger, leaving it safely behind us. Very nice. We are currently on square 25. Okay. I am enthusiastic about a regular old episode for next week's show. You and me both. Uh, just as I am enthusiastic about thanking all the people who make this show possible. Oh, yeah. People like those who go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. They are the ones that keep us in business month after month. You know, if you're supporting this show on MaximumFun.org slash donate, you don't just get access to the bonus content from this show, but you get access to the bonus content from all shows on MaximumFun.org. That includes The Greatest Discovery and Friendly Fire. There's some great stuff on there. Yeah, have you ever wanted to hear us talk about Terminator 2? Have you ever wanted to hear us talk about The Edge of Tomorrow? The Tom Cruise time travel war movie? That's on there. It's in there. It's all in there. Yeah. So check your donor feed if you're uh, if you're contributing to the show. And if you're not already a contributor, what the hell is your problem? Contribute. You're we freeloading. You. <laughs> Stop it with the freeloading. Cut it out. Got to thank our boy Bill Tilly, who makes hilarious trading cards about every episode of the show. You can find those on Twitter at BillTilly1973. He's also got a Tumblr, I think, under the same name uh, that he's putting those up at. And he has a, a great hang online, as are all of the friends of DeSoto, who use the hashtag GreatestGen or our Facebook groups, subreddits, etc., to 
come together and be awesome. All the great music you hear on the show is made possible by Adam Ragusia and his musical talents, chopping and screwing the work of Dark Materia, of course, our, our music daddy, the OG yeah. music man who made greatest gen music possible. Check out Adam Ragusia's cooking channel on YouTube. Yeah, you're Search really missing Adam out Ragusia. if you're not if you're not watching those and, and cooking along with them. They're great. Teach you how to make some uh, enchiladas or something. Does he have an enchilada recipe? Yeah, it's a new one. Wow, that sounds great. You know what? I'm a, I'm a recently reformed cheeseman. Yeah, and I'm I'm back on back on my cheese business. Time to hit those enchiladas. That's what I'm saying. I think I'll make those this weekend. That sounds good. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. An episode of the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. That is another terrifying trip in a runabout. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.